0: Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for tuning in. Our desire is to unleash a family of healthy disciple makers in Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you. Have a God filled day. Amen. Uh, by now, most of us have seen the viral video of the Alabama riverboat brawl. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing, right? Like, listen, I, it was funny. Waldo came to me. I was like, Pastor, have you seen the fight? I was like, well, yeah, man. Spence lost to Crawford. He's like, no, nah, I ain't talking about that. He says, I'm talking about the Alabama riverboat brawl. And so he brings it up, shows me this clip, and there's so much to unpack in that attack. There is the historical element between Alabama and the the transatlantic slave trade. That's on the table. Um, Then there is the co-captain, Damon Pickett, who is just doing his job. And he gets attacked and then to see the community come together at the aid of a victim in a world where bystander effect is real but none of that really resonated with my heart the thing that resonated with my heart was Aaron if you don't know who Aaron is Aaron aka the black Aquaman is the 16-year-old young man who jumped in the water swimming to the dock to go a captain ticket, right? I'm looking at this young cat, I'm like, "Oh my, this dude is getting it." And then you know in my household, my daughters are competitive swimmers. And so they're looking at him and like, that's a bold move right there. And I'm like, why? Why you say that? She is like, first of all, he's going to be tired by the time he get to that dock. Secondly, she said he needs some swim lessons. (laughs) I'm like excited that the homie that made this bold move into the water and she's critiquing his swim technique. I like, baby, why are you saying this? She says, you see how his head keeps going back and forth? Right, That means he's fighting against the water. Secondly, you, you know, because his head is going back and forth, all that water is getting in his nose and his mouth. And then lastly, dad, when he gets to that dock, he has to pull himself out of the water. He's going to be tired and he needs some swimming lessons. But I said, baby, why do you think? This 16 year old young man jumped into the water to aid a stranger. And there's one word care. Care. This young man did what was necessary for the health, welfare, and maintenance and protection of another human being. He cared that he cared so much that he was willing to put his own life at stake. In fact, this is the the definition of what it means to care, to do what is necessary even at your own expense. The reason why I said it resonated with me is simply because, and will I dare say, it should resonate with all followers of Jesus, that that is a characteristic that marks every follower of Jesus, that we care. Imagine if no one did nothing at all, then we would have a different conversation. But because we saw what it means to model care, even at your own expense, all of a sudden we're all excited about what we saw. All throughout Scripture, we are called to show mercy We are called to show compassion. We are called to show selfless love, even down to our very lives. Care is a powerful disposition, y'all. The reason why care is a powerful disposition is because it tells you what you will and will not do. It tells you what you will sacrifice and what you are not willing to sacrifice. Care is so powerful. It calls one writer to say the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. I tell people all the time, you will always do what you care for. Always, 100% of the time. Even when we're planning events around here, we're like, man, they ain't going to come, they ain't going to come. I'm like... If they care about it, they will. They ain't gonna do this, they ain't gonna do this. You have to tap into what people care about. That's what marketing is all about trying to find what you care about and then having a specific brand and specific product to meet that care. And so today, one of the things that I want to tap into is a gospel community that cares a gospel community that is willing to do whatever is necessary what what, whatever uh, is needed to bring forth harmony and protection i want to talk about a community a gospel community that does three things one seek to be together encourage one another in faith and praise for one another See, the gospel community that I'm talking about is one that just overly desirous to be with one another. Is that anybody here that every time it's 10 a.m., you're like, man, I can't wait to hang out with. And you fill in the blank. In fact, my wife and I had the awesome opportunity of hanging out with some of the family members here. And we went to a comedy show this um, this Friday. It was hilarious, too. Some of the jokes was just, oh, my goodness. It was so good that I'm bringing that person here on October the 6th and the 7th to do our marriage conference. This is how dope this dude was. Him and his wife had us laughing. You know, uh, Drew was laughing so hard, they almost kicked him out. They're like, hey, bro, come on, man. Nobody else can hear. <laughs> All right? But we, we, we desire to be with one another outside of programming. And then there's this desire to encourage one another. Does anybody need to be encouraged today? Right? And then the final thing is simply prayer. To ask God from heaven to act on our um, behalf here on earth. That's what I want to press upon your heart this morning. So here we go a gospel community that cares will seek to be together. A gospel community that cares will seek to be together. There's no secret that Paul loves this community. Him, Silas, and Timothy time and time again have showed you their love and their commitment to their biblical siblings. In fact, Look at verses 17 and 18. He says, but as for you, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. Another way to say that, in person. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, Time and time again. Notice the emotion that Paul is exerting. Paul is distraught. He is distraught in the same way that a parent is distraught when they lose their child. And the reason why I know that he is distraught as a parent towards their child is because he uses this Greek word that means to be made orphan. But in our translation, it literally means to be forced to leave. Paul says, My heart is so distraught that I feel like a parent whose child has been snatched away from them. And I've been here before. Tamir's and I, 10th year anniversary, we went to Colorado. I will never go back to Colorado because it is hard to breathe. 10 days. Ten days, my wife and I, ten days celebrating, ten years, and we, we just having fun. And we let some friends care for our children. Five days into our anniversary, we get a call. It says that Talia had been lost. They had went into a bathroom, and it was about seven kids. They went out and left Talia in the bathroom. Zia at the time was counting people's shoes. And as she's counting people's shoes, she noticed that Talia's shoes was not there. Oh, my heart broke. I'm like, my baby is not here. Where is my baby at? Well, the beautiful thing is one of the security guards saw my daughter, took her to the security shaft, and we found Taliah. So I want to do something to show you how Paul is feeling. If there is a parent in this room, if there is a uncle or aunt or maybe even a caregiver, close your eyes with me for a moment. Think about that child or that niece or that nephew that is lost forcefully. Do you have the person in your mind? You got it? That's how Paul wants you to feel about the church. Paul wants you to feel about the church the same way that you feel about a loved one being snatched from your care. And I know we rationalize like, nah, man, that's blood. That's remember eternity. We spend eternity with one another. Those who are in Christ will see one another in heaven. So to ask you to have that same care that you would have for a loved one is a biblical truth because we will spend it together in eternity. Paul says that our care for the gospel community rivals our care for those that we love. Why, what is Paul why is Paul so turned up? Like what, like what is keeping him away from this community? One person, Satan. Look at verse 18. In verse 18, he says, so we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. When I read this passage, it dawned on me that our battle to seek time together in a gospel community is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. That Satan himself is trying to keep us from being an active fellowship with one another. And Paul doesn't use the term Satan lightly. In fact, in all of the letters that Paul has ever written, he only uses his name 10 times. Paul wrote three-fourths of the entire New Testament. And so if Paul is telling you that Satan himself is trying to hinder us from being in community together, then we need to know that we have a real adversary out there. Can I be honest with you? Satan is so deceptive, he is so deviant, he is such an adversary that he will use your spouse, your children, your circumstances, your past sin, your present pain, wherever it takes to separate you from the community of God. This is the classic case of a predator. If you ever see a lion hunt or wolves hunt or wild dogs, their motive is to separate the pack so that they can zero in on the weak, the disgruntled, the one who is upset, the one who is consumed. This is a classic case of every spiritual predator in the realm of demons. See, oftentimes you think it's hard to come to church because the time is too early. Sometimes you think it's hard to come to church because it's an inconvenience. But what is really happening is Satan is using those things that you care about and position them in a way to disrupt your community and your activity with the people of God. Why? Why is Satan trying to divide us? It's because he can't destroy us. See, the Bible tells us, upon this rock, Matthew 16, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot, shall not, will not destroy it. So Satan says, okay, I cannot destroy the church, so I am going to dismember the church. I can't destroy the church, so I am going to create division among them. Because he understands if he can separate us, then he weakens us. See, that's why the Bible calls us a body. We are a body because all of us work together. Me and Ryan is doing this new workout that Jorge got us on. And we did this workout, and it was called Push and Core. Brandon, when you text me, that's what I was doing push and core. So we, we had to do this, this, this bench press. We had six sets, Cor- Cortland, six sets. You go 10, 8, 6, 4, then burnout. Then you move to that and you do lat pull downs, right? I ain't did lat since I was two, right? <laughs> you got to do lat pull downs. As soon as you finish the lat pull downs, then you go right into dips, superset. Then you do um, shoulder press. As soon as you finish shoulder press, you get down and you do push-ups to burn out. All week, I've been walking like this. (laughs) I'm trying to hug people. I'm doing this. Like When I think about when my body is not working with one another, it hinders my effectiveness. This is what Satan is trying to do. And he's going to use every tactic to separate you. I'm hurt by the church, so I stop going to the church. right. Oh, this person is a sinner. I don't want to be around that person. Oh, this person is doing this. I can't do that. Oh, my job is too important. I can't do this. All of a sudden, Satan is saying, I got you. Notice he's using what you care about, not what you don't care about. And so Paul is writing to this gospel community and he says, the thing that's keeping us away from one another is Satan himself. Why is it important for a gospel community to care about being together? Paul gives two reasons. The first reason is it's the place where we find our joy. Look at verse 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20, he says, for you, for who is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and are our joy. Paul asks two questions. He says, who is our hope? Who is our joy? Who is our glory? And he's looking at the church of Thessalonica and he's saying, it is you. When Jesus Christ comes back, I am going to be boasting to Christ about you. See, when we come together, this is the place where we receive our joy. Now, I love having stories with you all. I love joking with you all. I love being a part of some of the... (laughs) (laughs) we say things around here at Disciple City Church that we cannot say in public. I couldn't say it from the stage. They'd be like, oh, he's a heretic. Something is going on. But man, we we fall into... Oh, man. I have so many stories with Ryan Sears that it is just just crazy. You had to come and talk to me to hear some of these. But every time we walk through that door... When we come into work, our first objective is not to start working. Our first objective is to hang out with one another. Hey, bro, what you doing? What you got going on? We got inside jokes. We got inside things. See, when Paul talks about his desire to be with these people, he can only have that conversation with people he has done life with. You can't have these type of stories. You can't have this type of joy if you are not willing to do life with the people that God has entrusted to you. See, one of the things that is important for us to have this gospel community that cares, we got to close proximity. We got to close proximity. There's this old African proverb that I have never forgotten. Uh, uh, the guy was talking to um, these missionaries and he was saying to them, oh, man, y'all must be real friends, man. Y- y'all run, y'all play, y'all hang out together. Y'all must be real friends. And the African dude said, no, we're not friends. He was like, but when I look at you all's interaction, and I look at what you all are going through, man. That-, that looks like something that friends would do. And he turned to him and says, we have not cried together yet. He says, the reason why we're not friends, because we have not shared the pain of life together. See, if you want to create this joy, man, you're going to have to go through some things with one another. Paul said it's important to be in the community of God because it is the place where you and I receive joy. But here's the second thing, which also is the second point. A gospel community that cares to seek to be together is also a community that encourages each other's faith. The whole purpose of us being together is so that we might encourage one another. Paul has reached his emotional boiling point and he begins to articulate it in chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Notice what he says. Therefore... When we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy and our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Watch this purpose clause to strengthen and to encourage you concerning your faith. Why? Verse three so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are appointed to do this. Paul has just made a hard decision. Paul has just made a hard decision in order to strengthen and encourage the Thessalonikas. And the reason why I say that Paul has made a hard decision is because he is about to send Timothy to them Now, if you know anything about Timothy and Paul's relationship, Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. Paul just told you he feels like an orphan. He just told you it it feels like something has been snatched away from him in regards to the Thessalonican believers. Now he's about to send Timothy, his spiritual son, And the more and more I read that, the more and more I understood this one simple principle. And it's simply this, encouragement costs. Encouragement will cost you something. Our concern for others will oftentimes come at the neglect of our own comfort. Our concern and our encouragement oftentimes mean Putting the needs of others before our own. Isn't isn't that what the young man did when he jumped into the water? That he was putting his own needs on the back burner at the expense of helping someone else. See, a gospel community that cares understands that your encouragement will come at a cost. You ever have to encourage somebody when you're going through something? You ever have to encourage somebody and you're sitting there like, bro, do you know what I got going on? But all of a sudden you see the needs of the person that God has put before you and you start thinking about how you can care for them. When I look at this and when I begin to kind of parse this thing out, the only person that oftentimes I can think of is my wife. Now, my wife don't like to be talked about. I got to ask permission to tell stories about her on stage now. She don't want none of that. I'm like, babe, this going to be, this going to hit, girl. This going to be crushed." She's like, mm, you can't use that. Yeah, You got to modify all that stuff right there. A, because she don't like being out in front, right? Tamara loves to make sure that this church is running as smooth as possible, and she's been doing a great job for the last 10 years. But this woman would get three hours of sleep, wake up, cook a whole meal, and (laughs) I got to share this one with you, man. I got to share this one. This this one is good. I I didn't tell you this. It just came to mind. (laughs) I didn't tell (laughs) you. People are like, what? So Tamara got up at like 4 a.m., Cook like four different meals. She labeled each meal in the refrigerator. Right, we have spicy chicken with honey sauce on it. Right, we have sloppy Joe. Right, we have asparagus. We have green beans. We have yams. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm on track. Uh, we also have chicken with pepper in it. Right, she did all this at 4 a.m. and they all was labeled with little hearts. Around there. I'm like, girl, take your butt to bed. She's like, nope, I got this. And then she has to take Jaws to his uh, appointment. Miss Annie, you drove with her, didn't you? Look, Miss Miss Annie rolled my wife. What? It was Wednesday. Miss Annie said, I gotta go take a nap. I can't do this. I can't do this. Why is she doing all this? Because she cares. And it cost her her sleep. It it, it cost her her comfort. It cost her these things that she is looking at us and putting us before. The same way God is calling us to see the gospel community that way. It's going to cost you something to encourage one another. Paul says, I'm willing to be alone. Because I am so concerned about my brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. Why? Why is this so important to Paul? Why is this so, 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 why is this disrupting his very being? Once again, I'm going to give you two reasons. First is because their faith is at stake. He says the reason why it's so important The reason why I'm able to pay the cost of encouragement is because their faith is at stake. Go back to the text. It says to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. Paul was so concerned that Satan was pressing his family and that Satan was going to disrupt their faith that he was willing to be Alone. Pastor, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 5. He says, for this reason, when I come could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our laboring might be for nothing. Paul says the reason why I'm willing to set this thing aside is because your faith is at stake. Are you willing to pay that cost for your brother or sister to protect their faith? The best picture that I can come up with to illustrate what is really at stake is the picture of Peter and Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 31 and 32 Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, look out, be aware. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Satan is coming after you. He says, but I am going to pray that your faith will not fail. You getting it? I'm going to pray that your faith would not fail. And when you turn again, strengthen your brother. Notice what Jesus is telling Peter. He says, Peter, Satan is coming after you. Disciple City Church, Satan is coming after you. But I am going to pray that your faith will not fail. Now, that's great to know that Jesus himself is intervening on our behalf. That Christ himself is telling you, I know Satan is after you. I know he wants to divide you. But I am praying before the Father that your faith will not fail. But there's something that happened in Peter. In John chapter 21, write these passages down. In John chapter 21, verse 3. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And the next time you see Peter, he uses this phrase, I'm going fishing. Now, at first, it just looks like he's going back to his old profession. But when you begin to parse out what he is saying, Peter is saying, I quit See the reason why we need to encourage one another's faith, because some of us are on the verge of quitting. We are on the verge of going back to the life that we used to live. We're going. We're on the verge of going back to that that false idol. Remember, the Thessalonians are known for turning away from idols. But what is Satan trying to do to cause you to turn back? Towards idols. Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm done with this. Three years I've been walking with Jesus and no fruit. Three years I've been walking with Jesus and all of a sudden he has died and he is gone. In fact, when you read the story in John chapter 21, he's out there fishing and he can't even catch fish. And he's frustrated. But here's what I like. Jesus sees them in the water. He goes to shore, prepare a breakfast for them. All of a sudden they see Jesus on the boat. The Bible says that Peter jumped in the water. The text says that he jumped in the water and all he had was his birthday suit on. All right. Ready to eat for everyone. Right. Right. (laughs) right and he swims over there and jesus then cooked breakfast and jesus is uh, uh, consoling them and notice what jesus says to peter he looks at him he says peter feed my he said peter do you love me he says lord you know i love you he says then feed my sheep the second time jesus asks him the same thing peter do you love me And Peter says, you know that I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked the same exact question. Do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. See, Jesus told him, I'm going to pray for you. But notice, Jesus also pursued him and encouraged him. See, back in the day, Jesus told Peter, Upon you, I'm going to build this church. Jesus says, despite what Satan has going on you, I am still interested in you. Some of us need to hear a word from God reminding us of what God has called us to do. That the reason why your conscience is disturbed, the reason why you're around people who have joy and your heart is aching is because it's reminding you that God is still interested in you that he has a plan for you that he has a purpose for you no matter what satan is doing to afflict you all of a sudden god says you need to be in the community of god so that you might be encouraged now watch this the last thing that jesus says to peter is and when you return notice he says and when you return not if you're going to return. Jesus expected Peter to come back, right? He says, and when you return, watch this, strengthen your brother. Now Peter is out there telling him, bro, I know what it's like to deny Jesus, bro. And yet I'm still here proclaiming his truth. I know what it's like, men, to fail. I know what it's like to be in sin. I know what it's like when life is just falling apart and me as your brother is here to encourage you. Jesus still has a plan for you. The reason why it's important for us to come together is so that we might encourage one another. That you might inspire one another. You never know what a person needs until they walk through that door. And all of a sudden you say something to them. You think you're just making small talk. And all of a sudden, man, you are awakening something in them. I needed that. I needed that. A gospel community cares because they are constantly encouraging one another in order to protect one's faith. Here's an absolute statement, and I'm going to let it linger. All of us need encouraging in our faith. All of us. There's not one person in here that does not need to be encouraged. And the reason why I can say that with certainty, because Paul tells them it is because all of us will be afflicted by Satan. All of us, not if is when. If you're not being afflicted by Satan now, just live just a little bit longer and you will be afflicted later. Even if you have already come out of something, just wait. Satan is waiting for what the Bible calls an opportune time to come and get you again. But the Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and watch this, and he will flee from you. All of us need to be encouraged because there is a Satan, an adversary out there waiting to pounce on you. But guess what? If you are Voltronda, if you are in community, it's real hard to deceive all of us. It's real hard to deceive all. One of us gonna be like, brother, that don't sound right at all. That's why when you're looking for a car, you never go by yourself. You got to be with somebody. When you go look for a car, man, don't go by yourself. You better take one of your homies that's good at cars. Like, wow, that don't sound good at all, brother. I don't like how the salesman approached you, brother. Let's get up out of here. Yeah, You right, brother. Let's go. See, when we are in community and clicked up, we can encourage one another, even though we know that the emissary is after us. Here's the second thing I want to encourage you with. Notice in verses six and seven, it says, but now Timothy has come to us from, from you and brought us good news about your faith and love he reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you but notice what he says in verse seven therefore brothers and sisters in all our distress and affliction we were encouraged about you through your faith notice what happened paul said we sitting here worrying about you we sitting here distressing over you. We sitting here falling apart, uh, sending all our love towards you. And then when we hear about your faith, we get encouraged. See, sometimes when you put your own um effort, your own comfort aside, when you hear somebody else and what they're going through, it comforts you. You become encouraged. You become inspired. That's why I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, listen, I know you're going through a lot of pain, but ask yourself the question, what have you learned from those pain points? And the reason why it's important for you to learn from your pain points is because your pain points becomes a comfort to other people. Paul says, I'm encouraged by you. So a gospel community that cares for one another is one who seeks to be together. A gospel community that cares for one another encourages one another's faith. And here's the last point. A gospel community that cares for one another prays for one another. Prays for one another. After Paul had been in distress, after Paul had been praying um, uh, in distress for these brothers and sisters, when you look at verses 11 through 13, it simply says, Now may our God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our ways to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. Amen. Let me break this one down for you. Notice Paul prays three things for this community. The first thing he prays is that God the Father will break the spiritual blockage of Satan. That's why he says in verse 11, that he would direct our way towards you. The second thing that he prays is that God the Father would increase their love for one another. In other words, there was a deficiency somewhere and God is saying, I, uh, and Paul is saying, Father, please increase their love. Pre- please increase their desire for one another. And then the last one he says that God the Father would strengthen their hearts and set them apart as they wait on Jesus. This is Paul's prayer for the community. And so when I begin to write this sermon, I begin to think about the men and women that God has entrusted to us here at Disciple City Church. I begin to think about ways, practical ways that I could help you, right? to fulfill what it means to be a part of a gospel community and I had two principles. One principle I said if we're going to be a gospel community that cares for one another then you're going to have to include each other in your schedule. You're going to have to include each other in your schedule. Now notice I didn't say make another schedule, I said include them in your schedule, right? When my wife and Miss Annie hung out, Miss Annie was included in Tamira's schedule. right? This is a very practical way to make sure that you make room and, and margin for the people that God has given you. Another thing I thought to encourage you is prioritize people, not programs. Prioritize people not programs. Don't look at this gathering as a time that you get a chance to connect with people. No, you got to spend time with people outside of the programs. Right. You can't just go to life group and be like, oh, man, I hung out with my people. No, you got to find ways to spend time with the people outside of the programs that you are participating in. And then I had all these two principles, and I'm like, man, this is good. I'm going to run with this. And then something dawned on me. This is not a physical fight, but a spiritual battle. See, I can give you all these principles. I can give you all these applications, but the issue is not physical. The issue is spiritual. You are not just fighting your schedule. You are not just fighting programs. What you are fighting is an adversary that is constantly trying to divide you. So then I had to step back and say, okay, I know I gave you those principles, but I need to pray for you. I I need to pray over Disciple City Church. I, I need to call upon heaven to do a work in us here on earth. So I asked, I said, okay, what is our prayer points? What can you even join in in praying with me? Here are three things I wrote down in regards to our prayer. The first thing is, Lord Jesus, break the spiritual blockage of Satan that hinders us from spending time together. See, my first prayer request is to ask God, To remove the enemy, the adversary, the roadblock that is constantly getting in our way from spending time with one another. See, oftentimes it'd be the small things. it it be those things that we deem necessary. And so we keep putting people back further and further and further on the schedule. I'm asking God to do something spiritual in our lives and break the bondage that Satan is constantly using that prevents us from spending time together. Here's my second prayer. Lord Jesus, increase our love for one another as we sacrifice our comfort for our community. It's gonna cost us something. It's gonna cost us something. For some of us, we gotta get up at 6 a.m. If you wanna hang out with me, you gotta get up at 6 a.m. Some of y'all like, no, no. For some of us, we need to use our car ride home when we're leaving work to call one of our brothers and sisters. All I'm asking is that God will increase our love for one another. Some of us need to go through some pain. One of the fast tracks of trust I used to think was fun, but I also think the fast track of trust is pain going through mission together navigating the the, the trials and tribulations of life. And so I'm asking God the Father, our Lord Jesus, to pray that we will love one another to the point that we're willing to sacrifice our comfort for our community. Here's the last one. Lord Jesus, strengthen our emotional resolve. In the text, it talks about our hearts, which is the seat of emotion strengthen our emotional resolve as we become a family of healthy disciple-makers who reproduce followers of Jesus until our King returns. Here's the reason why I'm asking God to deal with our emotions. Because oftentimes we make circumstantial decisions and not Christ-centered decisions. Oftentimes we allow the seat Of our emotions to derail the mission, the eternal mission of Christ. See, we all know what our vision cycle is for this year it is to become a family. And if we're gonna become a family, we're going to need some spiritual awakening in our emotions. We know that we are called to be a spiritual family who reproduces followers of Jesus. Do you not know that there are some brothers and sisters out there who are not a part of the fold yet? They're at your gym. They're at your job. They are at your um, grocery store. They are in your neighborhood. They are at your schools. They are all over the place where you have siblings walking out there who need to be called into the body of Christ. So when I talk about the spiritual battle that we need to overcome to become this gospel community that cares, that is the prayer request that I'm asking Thank you again for listening to the Disciple City Church podcast. Until we meet again, shalom.